So hey guys, we're back with another podcast, and today we're here with John Bosnecker, and John and I are going to be talking about his new book, Wildcat, about Pearl Hart, and uh, it's a phenomenal book. I can't wait for it to come out, so I, I, I assume it's going to be a phenomenal book, because I love all of his writing and all of his books. Um, I've only read about three or four, but so far, I, I love them to death. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by the Tombstone Epitaph, and that is Arizona's longest-running newspaper. And the reason I always push the epitaph is everybody wants to be a part of history. Everybody wants to hold a part of history, and the epitaph is exactly that. It, it's Arizona's longest-running paper. It still has a building down in Tombstone. And if you want to actually get a subscription, it's extremely reasonable. One year is 25, two years is 45, and three years is 60 bucks. So I do the three years, I save $15, and uh, it comes right to your door, and it is packed full of Western history, and that's from the Tombstone Epitaph. And you can find the Tombstone Epitaph at www.tombstoneepitaph.com. And um, it's actually fantastic. And again, that's www.tombstoneepitaph.com. I also want to give a shout out to my friends over at the Wild West History Association. Now, are you a member of the Wild West History Association, John? Uh, yes, definitely. Oh, you definitely? Yes. Okay. So um, if he wasn't, then the, the podcast would have been over. I'd have been, woo, we're out. Um, but he's, he is a member, and this is a great way to really learn about true history that's researched and deep research. The, the journal comes out um, quarterly. It's over a quarter inch thick. There's no ads. There's no crazy magazine ads or anything like that in there for like, you know, sound systems or TVs or cars. Every single page is packed full of history. And uh, the memberships are very reasonable for the amount of history you get. And you actually get to connect with historians and researchers like John. A lot of them put information there, how to contact them, and they respond just like I did, and they respond. And so it's a great way to get deep research, truly research history. Now, your individual membership is 75 for one year, two years is 125, or three years is 175. And I urge you to do the three years because you save a lot of money. And if you want to get a hold of the folks over at the Tombstone, or excuse me, at the Wild West History Association, you can do so at www.wildwesthistory.org. And I really urge you to join because it's, it's phenomenal. Between the epitaph and the journal that you're going to get, you'll be surrounded in history and you won't have to worry about a thing. So a while back, John was, I, I connected with John through a Facebook page and John reached out and said, you know, Mike, you need to go to TTR. And Tombstone Territory Rendezvous is uh, an event down in Tombstone. It's about four to five days long. And it's people come together for their love of Cochise County, Western history and Tombstone. And John said, listen, I can't make it. But when you get there, just tell them John sent you. Just say John Bosnecker sent you. And they'll say, oh, okay, great, no problem. That is exactly what happened. I went there, and they'll say, who are you? I says, I'm just some guy. And John Bosnecker sent me. And they, oh, well, welcome. And the doors opened right up. And, and, uh, and I, I can't thank John enough for that. And I've been asking for a podcast. And he finally said yes, because he's got a book. And uh, that's come out, and I can't wait to read it. And this book is about Pearl Hart. And, and John, correct me if I'm wrong. I hope you will. Uh, you were born in San Francisco in 1950, 1953. 
You grew up in Mill Valley, California. You started at a very early age uh, being interested in frontier history. You sold an article uh, when you were 15 years old to a Western magazine. And then it says in, uh, you graduated with a degree in history in 1975. Then you became a police officer. That's crazy. Police officer from 1974 to 1982. And then you studied for uh, a JD. What is JD? Justice? JD. What is that? Uh, doctor, of juris, uh, doctor of Juris. It's just that means a law degree. A law degree. And you got a law degree from Hastings College of Law in San Francisco, and you were admitted to the state bar in 1985. Now, and then on top of that, while you're doing all of that, you're raising a family, you're doing all the things that you're supposed to do, you started writing books. And some of your credits are, looks like, I think this is right, uh, Badge and Buckshot, Lawness, Lawlessness in California in 1988. Is that correct? That was your first book? Yeah, that was my first, yes. And then he wrote the book about the Gray Fox, the story of Bill Miner, which is one of my all-time top two favorite movies, The Gray, Far- Gray Fox with Richard Farnsworth. Um, you wrote a book called Against the Vigilantes, uh, Gold Dust and Gunsmoke, Tales of Gold Rush Lawlessness. Then, um, where's the law? Uh, when Law Was in the Holster, about Robert Haviland Paul, Bob Paul. Phenomenal book. I've read it so many times. I carry it with me when I travel in Tucson. Texas Rangers, uh, Shotguns and Stayed Coaches. And then, on a phenomenal book, uh, ride the wild, uh, excuse me, ride, ride the devil's herd, Wyatt Earp's epic battle against the West's biggest outlaw gang, the Cowboys. But the Cowboys is entered at the end. And then you wrote Wildcat. What? Welcome. Hello. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. So I hope that um, that intro was enough. You know, I, I can follow you around. Probably for, you didn't put too many people to sleep, hopefully. I don't, but uh, thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll travel around with you and do openings. Here's John. And, uh, you know, we'll do some stuff together. But you're a phenomenal writer. And I thank you, huge thank you for TTR. What, what when, you, when you started thinking about your books... What brings you to a topic? Is it something that you say, um, you know what, this one hasn't been told before, or this one hasn't been told correctly? What brings you to a topic? Uh, Probably both. Uh, When I was uh, a boy, like most uh, young folks of my generation, uh, you know, in the early 1960s, I was addicted to watching all these westerns on television, and there were just you know dozens of these western uh, shows on TV, and uh, and I wanted to at some point by the time I was in my early teens, I wanted to know what the real West was like, and I started reading everything I could get my hands on. I would ride my bike to the town library, load up with books about the Old West, take them home. I was kind of a voracious reader and uh, just read everything I could get my hands on. And I found early on that I enjoyed writing, so I started writing magazine articles when I was in high school and have just sort of stuck with it ever since. So you, But then on top of that, though, you're picking topics 
like like the Bill Miner story that people really hadn't heard before. It and like the book about Bob Paul, either were those stories chosen over a personal something personal, or was you know because they're they're not stories that you can just go off the shelf. Like you wrote about Wyatt Earp, there's hundreds of Wyatt Earp novels. There's not hundreds of stories about Bill Miner or about yeah that right and my uh, my interest has been uh, both uh, angles that you mentioned in unheralded characters of the Wild West like Bill Miner uh, like the uh, folks that I've featured in my books Tiburcio Vasquez the a great bandit chieftain of the California frontier. There'd never been a full biography ever written about him. And so uh, that's attracted me. And then also better known stories that I found are sorely lacking in, uh, in particular, the Wyatt Earp uh, story. There are some excellent books, uh, KCT for Tillers, uh, biography, Wyatt Earp, The Life Behind the Legend is, you know, the most in-depth biography of Wyatt Earp, uh, but it deals with his entire life. Uh, Gary Roberts' biography of Doc Holliday is the, you know, the be-end, uh, the end-all of books on Doc Holliday, and deals with his whole life. But with my law enforcement background, what I looked at in the Wyatt Earp story is uh, the law enforcement angle and most writers have concluded that the Earps, you know, and they had a very sketchy background, you know, both Virgil and Wyatt had been mixed up in prostitution and gambling and that kind of stuff. So they sort of had this darker side to their personality. But when they came to Tombstone, they were accepted by the business folks. They, were, they had connections with Wells Fargo, with mine owners, you know, they were considered respectable keeping in mind that uh, respectable in Buffalo, New York, and Tombstone, Arizona, are two totally different things. There are lots of sketchy people in Tombstone. And so they were much more likely to accept uh, people with a background like the Earp brothers had, especially as professional gamblers. Uh, but the part about the Earp story that really had never been told is about the cowboys and who were these, this huge outlaw gang where did they come from, and were the Earps justified in killing cowboys in the so-called gunfight at the OK Corral? Were they justified in tracking down and killing the men who had wounded Virgil and murdered Morgan Earp? And so what I do is I go back in that story to 1875 and the beginnings of the cowboys under John Kinney, the New Mexico outlaw leader, uh, sort of a friend and then enemy of Billy the Kid. And so John Kinney ranks with Billy the Kid as the most notorious outlaw in New Mexico history and uh, was probably more significant than the Kid because he started this organized gang which eventually, when the Lincoln County War was broken up, uh, largely by the uh, New Mexico State Militia, and they targeted Kinney's gang. Uh, it's a long story, but they, they eventually fled 
New Mexico and ended up in Arizona and became part of this loosely organized band of about 200 outlaws. And when you look at the background, they committed, I don't remember the exact number, but at least 35 murders. Uh, They robbed, pillaged on both sides of the border. They had battles with Mexican militia. Uh, They had battles with uh, ranchers and other people on the American side of the border. And when you look at all this, you can't, I tell everybody, uh, when you look at the Wyatt Earp story, many, many writers look at what happened in 30 seconds in this vacant lot behind the OK Corral. And you can't do that. You have to look at the history. Where did these cowboys come from? What did they do? What did the Earps know? And the Earps knew that they were up against some real deadly uh, characters And maybe some of the guys in the OK Corral were, you know, not as bad, certainly as, for example, John Kinney or Curly Bill Brocious or some of these other cutthroats. Uh, But certainly they were all part of this gang and they made a big mistake by tangling with the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday because the Cowboys for six years had had everything their own way. Nobody stood up to them except for the Mexican militia in northern Sonora. And uh, finally, they encountered these four hard-nosed men that weren't afraid of a fight. They knew how to use guns, and uh, it ended disastrously for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys got exactly what was coming to them. And that story that I tell is the broad story, the seven-year story from uh, 1875 to 1882, not just 30 seconds, you know, behind the OK Corral. So that was way more Wyatt Earp stuff than I expected you to cover. (laughs) I've been sitting, I'm actually sitting here listening as I'm thinking about the book, reading it, and you, you, you caught me off guard. When what happened then to where after you write the book about Wyatt Earp, Ride the Devil's Herd, that you began to think about, or you may have thought about it earlier than that, years ago, to writing a book about Pearl Hart? Yeah, so um, my research on Wyatt Earp actually began, I, I helped Casey Tiefer Tiller with his book back in the 90s. Uh, I've been a, a Western nut, you know, since the late 60s. And uh, you'd mentioned earlier my book on Bob Paul uh, called uh, When Law Was in the Holster. I love that book. And so Bob Paul was one of the great lawmen of the Old West. He started in the California Gold Rush. Eventually, Wells Fargo sent him into Arizona Territory in the late 1870s. And I point out in my book that the moment... Bob Paul crossed the state line from uh, California into Arizona Territory. He instantly became the most experienced lawman in Arizona Territory. No lawman had anywhere near the length. That he'd been a lawman at this point uh, for more, uh, 25 years. Uh, he had been in repeated gun battles. He broke up the Tom Bell outlaw gang, the most one of the most notorious outlaw gangs of the Old West. And so part of the 
my research into Wyatt Earp began back when I was working on the Bob Paul book. And then later, Bob Paul, in later life, was undersheriff of Pima County in Tucson. And that's when he was in charge of the Pima County Jail when Pearl Hart was captured. And uh, I did a lot of research on Pearl Hart back then. And I kind of had it in the back of my head uh, for probably, you know, 12 years or more, maybe even 15 years to maybe do a book about Pearl Hart. But I didn't think that I could come up with enough information about her. Nobody knew who she was. There were stories uh, that she gave uh, to interviewers that later turned out to be partly true and partly fantasy because she was trying to protect her family's name. And so when I finished uh, the book on uh, Wyatt Earp, Ride the Devil's Herd, I thought I'm going to take some time and do genealogical work, do newspaper searches, and see if I can figure out who Pearl Hart was. And it's kind of a long story, but I managed to figure out who she was, where she came from. And once I found her real name, it kind of opened the floodgates. And using digital newspapers, which are so helpful, uh, this would have been impossible to write this book 20 years ago. Uh, before online archives, online newspapers, because you'd be looking for a needle in a haystack. You could spend your entire life reading newspaper microfilm in libraries all over the country and maybe find one tiny item. But in my case, working on it kind of diligently for a year or two, I was able to uncover her whole life story. So it says... In some of the research that I've done, and I, the problem with research is, and this is going to sound like I'm kissing your butt, but it's true. I've gotten down to where, unless the person that I believe wrote the story, like yourself, a researcher, everything before it or after it or around it is maybe true and maybe not. Uh, because I value your work and, you know, others, uh, Garner. You know, in San Diego, he wrote a book about Sandy, uh, Earps in San Diego, and there's so many wonderful people like yourself that I value as being truthful. But it says, from what I've read, is that she was originally born as Pearl Taylor in Ontario, Canada, um, that she actually came from a good family, a middle-class family, and got an education, that uh, her life kind of turned for the worse, maybe for the worse, at 17 years old, when she left uh, or fell for a swagging, a swaggering, good-looking guy named Frederick Hart. And then they eloped, and then they continued on with their life. How did, she, how did she go from Canada to the West? Well, the thing is that uh, almost everything published about Pearl Hart's background is Probably totally right. false, including, uh, you know... Uh, the New York Post just did a feature story about my book uh, over the weekend, and uh, the writer pointed out that he read the Wikipedia page on Pearl Hart and, yes. and bore absolutely no resemblance to reality. No. So, in fact, Pearl Hart was the most notorious woman outlaw of the Old West. Uh, people like to argue about that, and they, they'll claim, oh, no, Annie Oakley was the most famous outlaw. And it's like, no, Annie Oakley was a highly reputable woman. She was a famous sharpshooter and performer. 
she wasn't a criminal. People tell me, oh no, Madame Mustache, the uh, the woman gambler, was the most notorious outlaw, and she was uh, she ran gambling games. She never she never robbed anybody. And uh, Belle Star, the bandit queen of Oklahoma. The problem is Belle Star was a consort of outlaws. Uh, she got arrested for horse uh, stealing a few times, but she never robbed anybody. Uh, so Pearl Hart was an actual stage robber. She robbed a stagecoach in Arizona. She escaped on horseback with her male partner, who was known as Joe Boot. And uh, she became, uh, you know, instantly uh, featured in newspapers throughout the country when she was captured, because this was simply unheard of. People uh, had never heard of a woman that wore men's clothes and carried pistols and a rifle, rode horseback like a man. This is just unheard of. If you watch these kooky Hollywood films, you know, there's all these women in skin-tight blue jeans and they're bust exploding out of their shirts and everything and they're wearing these cowboy hats and you know pistols down low on their it, it, it absolute nonsense uh there were only a handful of women in the old west that ever did that kind of thing uh and there were uh pearl hart was by far the best known and these photographs that were taken of her, uh, they were published in newspapers throughout the country because in 1899, uh, photography, they just figured out the, uh, the technology to be able to print photographs in the late 1890s in American newspapers. And people were stunned. They'd never seen uh, a woman like this, never heard of a woman like this. A woman's role in the 19th century was domestic. Women who were um, not domestic got jobs in factories, in mills, working as a uh, maid in an upper, uh, upper-class home. But the idea of a woman going out on her own, uh, dressing like a man, uh, hitching rides on freight trains, you know, working as a prostitute, I mean, th- these things were totally uh, against the norm. So uh, her name was not... Pearl Taylor. She was born Lily Davy in the North Woods of Ontario in 1871. And she, her mother was a warm and loving woman who raised nine children, very large family. Uh, one brother died at age 10, but the rest lived to adulthood and to very old age, which is kind of surprising given the way the girls were raised. The father was a drunk and a rapist. Uh, it seems evident to me that he sexually abused his own daughters because the girls all, to escape uh, abject poverty, hunger, and lack of education, they all turned to prostitution as young girls. And most of them got away from the father. Mm-hmm. Finally, he ended up uh, leaving the family. They kind of left him. He went up to the North Woods and finally was drunk as a skunk one day, he fell out of his canoe in a lake up in the North Woods and drowned. And nobody mourned his passing, that's for sure. Uh, and so the girls and all of the, the family, they, they were um, extremely, extremely intelligent, uh, well-spoken. Uh, they were artistic. Uh, and uh, they probably, I don't think any of them really had more than maybe a sixth or eighth grade education at the most. 
but several of them became published writers uh, in later years. And so it's just a heartbreaking story of what would have happened if the father wasn't a bum. Uh, the women would have all led productive lives. And in fact, Pearl and her sisters eventually did leave protect, pro, uh, productive lives. Uh, but in Pearl's case, she uh, fled home as a young teenager when she was 13 with her best friend, who was her sister, Katie. Uh, the girls were all very attractive and obviously were, um, you know, the, the object of desire of many men. And at some point they realized, hey, I can earn money by being with these men. And that's what they did. But at age 13, she and Katie, her sister, fled the father, went to Buffalo, New York, across, uh, uh, you know, into the United States. Uh, and then they, uh, they got jobs there working in a cigarette factory. And finally, their mother found them and brought them home. And uh, eventually, uh, they were, the mother finally leaves the father, and the, the family's history was just just so traumatic for these children. Uh, while the mother is living in this shanty in a town about 50 miles um, east of Lindsay, where the family was from, uh, to get away from this abusive uh, father, uh, Albert Davy, uh, a drunken group of local youths, four of them, break into the house, gang rape the mother, even though she's five months pregnant, and uh, Katie is present, and she and one of the little ones run for help. And a neighboring farmer comes in and, you know, beats up a couple of these young guys that are committing the rape and puts them all to uh, flight. And then he takes the mother in and, and the local constables uh, capture uh, these bad guys who did the rape, and they all get sentenced to long prison terms in, uh, in Toronto. And so... Um, what what happened with Pearl is that she or, or Katie or I'm sorry uh, Pearl and Katie the uh, if I call her Lily people will get mixed up but I'll probably just refer her to as, as Pearl. Um, she uh, and her family they then would go with the mother uh, to uh, Rochester, New York, and there they get into all kinds of trouble stealing cows. Uh, working as prostitutes. Uh, one of the sisters gets arrested for stealing clothing, uh, stealing bicycles. Uh, the, the brothers are in all kinds of trouble. They get repeatedly locked up in the local reformatory in Rochester. And so eventually uh, Pearl uh, goes farther west. Uh, she ends up in Toledo, Ohio, and finally in Chicago, and uh, at, uh, she and her sister uh, decide to dress as boys again, and they bum rides on freight trains, and they have all kinds of adventures. They finally get locked up in a woman's prison in Chicago, and they manage to escape, but it's almost something right out of a movie. Uh, they tie sheets together and their night clothes, and they make a long uh, rope out of this, and they climb out the window of the third store story of this woman's correctional institute, and they escape. And they eventually get recaptured, and they get sent back to Rochester, 
and then uh, both of them end up marrying. Uh, one of their older sisters marries as well. But the guys that they marry are horrible. They're drunks. They're uh, burglars and robbers. And and so finally, uh, Pearl ends up in Chicago a second time, and she meets a guy named Dan Bandman, who is actually the nephew of a famous Shakespearean actor named uh, 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 Daniel Bandman. And he, uh, uh, the nephew, uh, is... Uh, she falls in love with him. They get married. So she says it may have just been a common law marriage. And she later says that he got her addicted to opium and morphine. Mm-hmm. And he's a uh, itinerant piano player. And she says later that he beat her and she finally flees to Arizona territory. And she ends up in Phoenix and uh, is working as a prostitute in Phoenix in what was called Block 41, which is just sort of south of the downtown in Phoenix today. And uh, it was sort of the red light district. Right. And then at one point, she ends up in Tucson uh, working as a, uh, a prostitute there. And then she ends up going back to Phoenix. And, you know, so she's in Arizona Territory for about almost six years before she even thinks of robbing a stagecoach. So she's... She's doing all this, and she's also moved to to Globe. She, I, if she was she in Globe, Arizona. Yes. What happened was uh, her in eighteen ninety eight. Her husband joins the uh, uh, the the he volunteers as a, uh, a soldier in the Spanish American War, and at this point, he had come to Arizona to find her. And then she said that he began beating her again, so she kicked him out. And then he joins the army, and so now she's alone. And to get away, make sure that he can't find her, she decides to move to Globe. Uh, and she has some other places she goes to, but she ends up in Globe. And that's where she meets this guy named Joe Boot, who was apparently a uh, shoemaker from Chicago, hence his alias of Joe Boot. Uh, He would never state his real name. He did admit that that wasn't his real name. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said that they had a small mining claim, and the two of them worked it and couldn't make it work. And she said that she uh, got uh, news, and she did stay in regular contact. Uh, The family was very close. That's the one thing about the Davy family. The uh, the brothers and sisters were very, very close. They always stayed in contact by uh, correspondence. And because I think of the uh, trauma that they suffered from their brutal father was something that uh, brought them together and made them think that they could only trust in each other. And so... Uh, through her family, she gets her, she gets notified that her mother is terminally ill with heart disease, which uh, it may have just been a story that, that Pearl made up. But she decides to uh, rob a stagecoach to get enough money to go back to Toledo, Ohio, to uh, uh, get back to her mother. That's her story, whether that's true or not. Uh, is another another issue. Well, I don't want to I don't want to break down the the 
the stagecoach because I want the listener to go out and buy the book. The book is available um, November 1st. Is that correct or 2nd? Uh, the 2nd. November 2nd. So by the time people are listening to this podcast, um, you'll either hear it in the next day or so, or you'll hear it after the 2nd. But uh, go out and get it at booksellers near you. It's called Wildcat, uh, the Pearl Heart story. Is that correct? Yeah, Wildcat, the untold story of Pearl Heart, the Wild West's most notorious woman bandit. It's a great, it's a great, great title. Uh, it's got a beautiful picture on her on the front. I wanted to talk a little bit about, because it's we were already 33 minutes. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, her jail time, because she ended up in Yuma Territorial Prison, um, correct, if I'm wrong? Uh, that's correct. She was sentenced to... Uh uh, to a term in Yuma, which was the most infamous prison of right. the Old West. Because I've been to that prison, and I've seen the gun and the display that they have. and But she ends up with her womanly charms, and, and I believe she was pregnant. And the state decided out of embarrassment, am I wrong right so far, out of embarrassment to release her early. Well, that's another, I hate to call it, Wikipedia story. Actually, uh, this book. was on the Wik- History Channel. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> Which I, when I, you get back to, when you talk about, uh, you know, uh, reliable authors, you know, you, you uh, the, the History Channel, the, the problem is it's only as good as the producer mm-hmm. putting it together and the writers. And, and I, I can't fault people for having wrong stories about Pearl Hart. And uh, I do fault people when they have wrong stories about Wyatt Earp because it means they didn't read Casey's book, right? right. Uh, uh, the, uh, or anthology. So with per- right. So, but with Pearl Hart, I can't be too harsh about those things because she deliberately obfuscated her history. And uh, uh, she, you know, but she was uh, put in Yuma prison. There were several other women that were uh, locked up at the same time. Uh, later, a guy named George Smalley, who had been a secretary to the governor of Arizona Territory, he uh, wrote a couple of articles in the 1950s for the Arizona newspapers, and he claimed that Billy Stiles who was a very famous Arizona outlaw, had got Pearl pregnant in uh, Yuma prison. And uh, Billy Stiles was a partner of Bert Alford. Uh, they robbed trains. They had they broke out of the um, Tombstone jail in the 1890s. They were both lawmen who then turned into train robbers. Very notorious, pretty well forgotten today. Uh, but when you look at the uh, the records of Yuma Prison, which are pretty simple today, you just go on Ancestry.com. In the old days, you had to write a letter to them and wait a month or two to get a response. Uh, but now you can read online. It's very simple. And uh, Billy Stiles uh, was released from Yuma Prison uh, about a year and a half before Pearl 
supposedly got pregnant. So if she did get pregnant, it was through immaculate conception. It certainly wasn't through through Billy Styles. And I go into that in more detail in the book. So that, but that's another one of these cockamamie stories about Pearl Hart. Uh, some of them are very easily disproved, like that one. Uh, there's stories, you know, that she all these different names uh, of her last name Taylor, for example. Uh, that was a boo-boo made by a, a, a early historian uh, who wrote a series of uh, books on Arizona history that were published about 1915. And he just got the, the Taylor name was actually the name of Pearl's uh, brother-in-law. And so this historian got it all fouled up and thought her and thought that the brother-in-law was her brother, and his last name was Taylor. So she assumed that this writer assumed mm-hmm. that uh, her last name was Taylor, and it wasn't Taylor. And that kind of mistake helped bury Pearl Hart's story for a hundred years. Well, and I think it's important um, because we're going to touch base on another one. Uh, at the here in a minute, but again, folks, it it I can't wait to read it. So I can't say that uh, it's it's my favorite. But based upon everything that I've read so far from John, I have a feeling it's going to be my favorite because I live here in Phoenix, so I have a connection to it as much as uh, the book about Bob Paul we talked about earlier. Because I'm I'm six four. Bob Paul was a tall man, and. Um, and I'm not far from Tucson, and I'm, I'm totally enamored with that book as well. But we are talking to John Bosnecker. He wrote the book Wildcat, The Untold Story of Pearl Hart, the Wild West's Most Notorious Woman Bandit, and it's in booksellers and Amazon and bookstores near you. I want to talk a little bit about, and the, as we end this podcast, because we're coming to the end. we got about 10 or 15 minutes. I want to talk about the, the bywater. Because so many people, as I was almost on my way to Globe uh, next weekend to look at um, November 6th, I was going to go out and look at the grave of the Bywater grave. And the Bywater grave is not true, correct? Because he, she never married a Bywater, yet somehow somebody linked him to a man in Globe named Bywater. Uh, yeah, that's right, and that's a story that's been floating around since the 1950s. And a, a local um, historian in Globe uh, somehow got the idea that this lady named Pearl Bywater was actually Pearl Hart. And uh, the story was that um, she, uh, you know, wore men's clothing which in the 1950s was not uncommon. It was certainly very uncommon in the 1890s. It was almost unheard of. But in the 1950s, a woman rancher wearing clothing, there was nothing unusual about that. In the 1940s or 30s, there was nothing unusual about it. Uh, And so this local historian got the idea that because her first name was Pearl and the ranch was within five or ten miles of the holdup site on the stage road southwest of globe that she must be pearl hart which is the you know totally nonsense and when i read the story back i must have read that story 30 40 years ago i thought it was a crock when i first read it because there wasn't any proof and uh so with the help of my friend gene smith 
Gene is this fantastic um, uh, Cal, uh, uh, Arizona historian and researcher. Uh, we figured out uh, Pearl Bywater's history. Where her real name was Pearl Kibbe, and she came to Arizona about 1890. She married a young cowboy. Uh, the marriage didn't work out. She later married Calvin Bywater, who ended up with a ranch, uh, like I say, southwest of Globe. And uh, uh, they had a son. They moved on the ranch. They were a very respectable couple. They had absolutely nothing to do with Pearl Hart. And uh, I say in the book that this conclusion by this local woman historian in Globe was, the, in my words, uh, the worst sort of back fence gossip. And uh, just everything about the story, it was pretty simple to poke holes in it. Uh, she claimed that uh, she was the census taker. This is the woman historian from Globe. She said that she was the census taker and she went to the house uh, to take the census and she was there by herself and there were cigar butts everywhere because Pearl Hart occasionally would smoke cigars and she certainly smoked cigarettes and she smoked opium. And so uh, the, but the problem is you go to the census, which is very easily accessible online now. And this lady that I'm talking about was not the census taker. There was a male census taker who found Pearl Bywater, Calvin Bywater, and their son all in the household. If there were any cigar butts in the house, they were her husband's cigar butts. So the whole thing is just absolute nonsense. Uh, almost every account of Pearl Hart has included it. And I'm sure people love to cling to their legends, so they'll probably get mad when they find out it's not true, but it ain't true. And I think you mentioned, did, did they actually put some kind of marker on Pearl Bywater's, I'm not aware of that, that uh, uh, did they do something as far as a marker to connect her with Pearl Hart? Did not. I hope not. I, I'm, Good. Think, Good. I'm probably going to go to Globe next weekend just for the heck of it to see that marker and then do a video and say this is not her. Um, I hope that's the case because, uh, you know, the uh, uh, there was a famous uh, uh, Wells Fargo shotgun messenger who was buried in an unmarked grave in the same county in Arizona, and they finally put a marker on his grave. It may not be in the exact place, but at least there's a marker for Andy Hall, who was a famous Wells Fargo shotgun messenger and also a key member of the first ex uh, expedition uh, under John Wesley Powell, who uh, ran uh, the Colorado River. Uh, which is uh, as somebody who's done whitewater rafting since he was a kid. That's a, I have never run the whitewater of the Colorado. I'm not sure I would even try it today, but can you imagine the courage those men had? Uh, I'm getting off topic. But in any okay. event, uh, uh, Pearl Bywater had absolutely nothing to do with Pearl Hart. Uh, just because her first name was Pearl doesn't mean she was Pearl Hart. The real Pearl Hart... Uh, had a daughter, uh, had two grandchildren. Her son-in-law was a submarine crew member with the United States Navy, took part in a very famous uh, uh, sea rescue 
uh, in the 1920s uh, off the shores of Hawaii. Uh, Pearl even went and lived in Hawaii uh, for a year or two. Uh, the whole idea that the West's most famous stage robber is, you know, this nice grandmother with two young grandbabies in Hawaii is just incomprehensible. And she finally, she passed away in the mid-1930s in her daughter's home in Los Angeles, and she's buried in Los Angeles today. Uh, so it's just a wonderful story. And Pearl, uh, the kind of a dichotomy of her life was that as a young woman, and she was in her late 20s when she robbed the stagecoach, she sort of ate up all the... Uh, the publicity. She absolutely loved it. And she posed for many, many photographs. They're all published in my book. Uh, uh, and she gave lots of interviews. Some, you know, they were mixtures of fact and fantasy. But then later, uh, I think she recognized that she was bringing a disrepute to her family, which she loved dearly. And she and her sisters all got out of prostitution. They all had respectable lives. They all had families and lived, uh, several of her sisters lived until the mid-1950s, which is unbelievable when you think of the, uh, the poverty, the poor diet, the lack of medical care, the horrible lives that they lived as young women, and the fact that they lived until their mid-80s and died in the 1950s is just unbelievable. And Pearl, of course, though, she, she used morphine and, and uh, opium off and on for probably about 10 years, and I think that clearly shortened her life because she would have lived until the 1950s as well if she hadn't uh, abused drugs and alcohol. Well, this is a phenomenal story. I cannot wait for the book to come out. Um, do you have anything in the works that you can share that's upcoming? Uh, any books or stories? I think you do, but can you share anything? Yeah, my new book is about Black Bart, the West's most notorious stage robber. He robbed 29 stagecoaches. Uh, he wasn't black. The, the term Black Bart came from a, a popular uh, story of the era about a, a, a villain of a popular story. But he was a, a Civil War veteran, uh, kind of very reputable until he uh, went downhill and turns into this stage robber. He's a gentleman bandit. He never robbed women. He never robbed any passengers, for that matter. He only robbed Wells Fargo and the U.S. Mail. He robbed 29 stagecoaches, which is about uh, oh, probably six or seven times the number of stagecoaches that Jesse James ever robbed. Uh, so uh, really a remarkable story, and that, that'll be a fun book when that comes out. Well, hopefully when you start doing your press releases and stuff, you'll swing by this microphone and we can do another podcast about Black Bart. I'd love to. It sounds great. So, again, this is uh, John Bosnecker. You'll find his new book everywhere starting November 2nd. It's called Wildcat, the untold story of Pearl Hart, the Wild West's most, most notorious woman bandit. And we only covered a little bit in this 
15 minutes or so that we've been talking. And there is a huge book that you need to go out and get. Um, I like books. I like the feel of books. So go to a bookseller near you or Amazon or wherever you get your books and get this one and add it to your history library because it's going to be one that you're going to want to go back to uh, multiple times, maybe for reference, or there's going to be another story told and her name uh, is going to show up. Pearl Hart's going to show up and go, oh my God, where's John's book? And you'll go back and reread John's book. And that's that's really the goal is to uh, learn about history, learn about it correctly, take these Wikipedia and the History Channel things that, like that I read to today and made my notes. It pushes those aside and gives you true research, uh, research history uh, with true provenance. And you know, it's it's the only way to go. And then you can find out the truth instead of finding out the lies. Uh, as always, do you have anything, John? Do you do you have charities or anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to do or anything? I know. Uh, I'm I'm just appreciate your uh, having me on. Oh, I appreciate you. Of course, everybody knows uh, to get the Tombstone Epitaph. Uh, that is the best, one of the best newspapers. Uh, it's the only one about Tombstone. It's Arizona's longest running paper. My friend Mark Boardman, I know you know Mark Boardman way better than I do. Um, and Mark Boardman's a great guy, and he's constantly putting out a great paper. And again, you can get a subscription for uh, one year for 25 two for 45 or three for 60 bucks. And that is at the tombstoneepitaph.com. I also want to thank uh, the folks at the Wild West History Association. It's a great, great group to join. Uh, you can do so by going to wildwesthistory.org. John and I are both members, and uh, we're there because we like the people and we like everything about it. Of course, and, and everybody knows my podcast, go out and be a good person. Uh, wrap your arms around some folks that you love. There's somebody out there that's needing some help. Like, just go out there and give them some support. Maybe buy them dinner, fill up their tank with gas, help them to the store. Maybe they just need their trash taken out. I mean, something simple is means so much to other folks. And if you have a food bank near you, donate to a food bank. For me, my charity here at Cochise County and my Blue Collar Channel is St. Mary's Food Bank. For every dollar donated, it feeds seven people or makes seven meals. Uh, it's crazy that a $50 donation will feed 350 people or make 350 meals for a family. It's crazy, but they're doing great stuff. So find a food bank or a charity near you and donate. Um, just do it because there's folks out there needing some help, and it just, gosh, it makes you feel really good. So again, this is John Bosnecker. Um, his book, Wildcat, The Untold Story of Pearl Hart. The Wild West's Most Notorious Woman Bandit. I can't wait to get it. I can't wait to read it. And uh, hopefully you'll get to read it too. Um, thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, Mike. All right. Okay, folks. So happy travel or good travels and safe travels. And we'll see you next time.